HerbMentor.com. This is HerbMentor Radio. You are listening to Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com. I'm John Gallagher. My guest today is Dr. Patrick Jones. Dr. Jones is a veterinarian with a passion for natural health. He grew up close to the land, and his interest in herbs eventually led him to treating animals with herbal remedies. He has a private practice and is, also does formulation support and training for silver lining herbs. Patrick's wife, Lorianne, is also an herbalist, and together they have raised quite a large family, and Patrick and his family reside in Idaho. You can visit him at homegrownherbalist.net and check out Silver Lining Herbs at silverliningherbs.com. Many of you know Patrick from the HerbMentor.com forum. He's a member there. And uh, this might be the first time we've interviewed a member. So many people have had pet questions and I've just had the darndest time finding someone who practices natural pet care. And then I found the answer was right under, right at my feet all along in our own forum. So welcome, Patrick. Oh, it's great to be here. You know, I was astounded at the number of questions that people had in the forum, had questions. Um, It's the first time I ever asked for any, and I'm thinking like, oh, there might be five or six people out there. And then they're like three, without even asking anyone, they're like three pages overnight. (laughs) So we we apologize in advance here. I don't think we're going to be able to get to all of them. We'll do our best, but I think I have an idea on how to address this, and we'll mention that at the end, see if we can coerce Patrick here. So um, first of all, I mentioned you had a large family. Patrick, how many kids do you have? Uh, We have 15 children. Um, Four of those are homemade and the other 11 were adopted, most of them from Haiti. Wow, that's amazing. So nice, nice, nice work. I I don't know how you how you did that, but (laughs) how how, how, uh, are they all all in the house or different ages? Obviously different ages, but, you know, some growing up or like where where is here? How's this? How's this work? Yeah, I think uh, we're down to single digits at home. I think there's nine at home now. Um, all the rest of them are married or, or in college. Um, we've got six grandkids now and, uh, and they're fun. So, wow. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, it's been fun. They're, they're good kids and, and it's been kind of an adventure. So, wow. That definitely is. I, I just uh, think beyond my two and I go, Oh my gosh, <laughs> so good work. Uh, two's, two's plenty hard too. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they're teenagers. Um, so, Patrick, you're an allopathically trained veterinarian, and what prompted you to become an herbalist? Um, well, I was always interested in uh, in plants and edible plants. You know, I was a, an Eagle Scout and, and a kind of a wilderness survival nut as a kid. And, uh, you know, edible plants lead to medicinal plants. And so I always sort of had that interest. Um, uh, and I sort of used herbs you know, in a very limited way myself, you know, you know, a little slippery on when your guts are bad or a little peppermint or whatever, uh, you know, nothing, nothing very deep. Um, but, uh, and then I served as a missionary down in Peru and, and, uh, you know, those people are very, very close to the ground in their mm-hmm. lifestyles and they use a lot of verbal plants. Um, and I benefited from a lot of those while I was there. Um, but, uh, you know, came back home, went to college, went to veterinary school, and I never really thought about it very much. Um, and then I had a, a case. It was a dog that was in liver failure, and uh, she was just really, this was probably 14, 15 years ago. 
really, really in bad shape, and I, there was nothing I could do for the dog. Um, and the owner was not ready to, to euthanize the dog, and so you know we were just sort of supporting her and had her on fluids and, and giving her whatever I could give her to keep her comfortable mm-hmm. and try and help her. Um, and a buddy of mine came in and said, hey, uh, you know, he was just visiting and says, boy, what's going on with that dog? And I says, oh, she's just waiting to die. You know, she's something that I'm not doing anything for her and I can't help her. And uh, he said, oh, well, you ought to call Mickey. He can straighten her out. <laughs> and Mickey Young is uh, was a friend of mine. I mean, uh, not a close friend, but an acquaintance. I knew him from church and nice guy. And he's an old uh, NFR, you know, world champion rodeo cowboy. And uh, But, but this guy said he was also an herbalist, which I didn't know. And so I called Mickey. I figured I got nothing to lose. Certainly the dog has nothing to lose. And uh, and Mickey says, uh, he comes over and looks at her. He says, oh, well, she needs a little of that number 27. And uh, gives me a bag of this green stuff and says, squirt that in her every couple hours. She'll be all right. And and, uh, <laughs> and I thought, oh, sure she will, you know. <laughs> so I, you know, I... Uh, it would, these were just powdered herbs, and I mixed them with a little water and syringed them into this old girl every couple hours. And you know, that, the next day that dog's eating, and the day after that she's going home. And so uh, I was pretty startled by that, frankly. And uh, you know, you, you can never discount the the little three-year-old kid praying at home and those kinds of things. You know, I mean, stuff happens. Uh, but uh, uh, the thing that was most startling to me was the next time I saw Mickey, I says. Uh, Hey Mick, uh, that dog got better, and he he looks at me and just, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> well, of course. Sure, you know. <laughs> exactly. That's just the way. I've never mastered that nonchalance. You know, I still every time something cool happens, my jaw drops to the floor, and I think, wow, really? That's so cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to work on my poker face, but uh, <laughs> anyway. So uh, I started using more and more herbs in the practice, and. Uh, and started uh, using some of his formulas. He didn't have any dog formulas at the time, but he was doing horse work. And, uh, you know, over the years, he and I developed a a real close working relationship, and and I got really serious about educating myself about herbs and using different herbs in the practice. And, um, you know, after several years, I said, look, Mickey, we need to do a dog line. You know, dogs aren't little horses. And so we... uh, Mm -hmm. He said, okay, and, and, you know, I didn't have time, and he didn't have time, and then several years uh, ago, he finally came to me and said, look, you just got to do it. They're, the people are driving me crazy. So so we uh, developed a dog line also at that time. But, um, you know, there's just a lot of things uh, that I can do with herbs that I can't do with pharmaceuticals or surgery. You know, so uh, what, what, what I, are those things? Like are the common well, things you know, to or more advanced well, things? It, you know, I can. <clears throat> modern medicine is really great at killing things and cutting things off. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. really great at that. Uh, they're really great at uh, controlling organs and and you know making organs uh, not do things they don't want them to do. Um, but they but they're very poor at nourishing. They're very poor at supporting. They're very poor at. Um, you know, tonifying and, and cleansing. There's, you know, they have nothing for accelerating healing or tissue growth. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, I had a, I had a case, um, and I've had several cases like this, but I had a dog, a Labrador that, um, and it was an old, an older lab cross. And, 
his honor was out in the backyard, this old lady, and, and visiting with her friend, and a pit bull attacked these two ladies. And so, you know, the old lab is going to have none of that. So he jumps in there to say, Mom, and this dog just tore him to pieces. Um, so they bring me the dog, and his legs, his two back legs are just really, really um, very, very damaged. And I took him to surgery right away to try and put stuff back together. And when I was all done, I could see that, that the circulation was so compromised in these legs that he was going to lose a lot of tissue. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I stand there and I say, okay, well, as a veterinarian, as an allopathically trained veterinarian, uh, I have two options <clears throat> for this dog. And sure enough, you know, you know, I've got antibiotics and I've got surgery and that's all I've got. I can kill the bugs and I can sew things back together. Um, and, and sure enough, the next morning that dog was, you know, I very clearly had a lot of dead tissue, um, and lost about, <clears throat> you know, on, on the one leg, he had dry bone on three sides of his femur. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's how much tissue he lost. Um, and there was just enough skin and circulation to keep his foot alive on that last quarter of the, of the bone, you know, on that last surface. And so... You know, as a as a veterinarian, I said to the owner, I have two options for your dog. I can cut his leg off or I can euthanize him. You know, but there's nothing else I can do because um, there's no way to, you know, there's no there's not enough tissue to do any grafting. There's not a, there's, it's just not going to happen. Um, I said, but as an herbalist, there's a lot of cool things we can try, and and if you're up for it, let's try it. And so, you know, for the next three months, um, I'm doing uh, you know comfort poultices, and I'm doing uh, you know, plantain uh, internally and externally to to draw toxins out, and and uh, you know, using um, those kinds of things that that are completely alien to allopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that dog was in here the other day, uh, and it was years and years ago, and and he's you know he's walking on those legs and and has no issues at all. And I've I've had a lot of cases like that really serious grizzly wounds where you know i can i can use herbs and do things i can't do uh medically you know um, right and and is there any it, is there any issues like um you know like in, in your practice and in your scope of I, i'm probably not the scope of licensure but you know what i mean sometimes like uh there can be issues with people using you know medical people using herbs or you know is there a, you can just kind of do what you want there um, I can do anything I want because I've because I've got the letters at the end of my name. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how to diagnose works. and I prescribe. Yeah, uh, there is there is a standard of care requirement, um, and so if I, you know, if I uh, if I had a dog that had something for which there was uh, an adequate treatment medically, and I used something other than that on him, and it didn't work out, then you know theoretically the owner could, you know prosecute me for not following the standard of care right you know right. uh but, you know i don't i don't have issues like that because the, i don't do things that i don't know mm-hmm. are going to work and usually uh, you know and I, I don't i don't use one to the exclusion of the other either mm-hmm. you know um but i had a case another case uh not a couple of years ago it was another another bad wound case in another labrador but the guy had tied his dog up in the back of the pickup and uh but had too much rope and and so the dog jumped out of the pickup and was hanging over the side and he got tangled up in the back tire and it it just was like a belt sander and it took off 
a great deal of tissue off his one of his legs and, and actually about a third of the bone. I mean, it was just like a boil sander, sanded it right flat. Wow. And, and the guy was, you know, intoxicated at the time. And, um, you know, he took the dog home and watched it for three or four days to see how it would do, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so by the time I got the dog, uh, you know, he's septic. He's got a fever of 106. He's, you know, not able to stand, very, very sick. And so that dog, you know, I put him on an IV and I started IV antibiotics because that's standard of care, you know, and he he really was in a desperate situation. Um, But I also did some herbal stuff with him and, um, you know, we took the dog from the gentleman and he agreed to give us the dog in in exchange for me not prosecuting him for it, you know. Uh, But, uh, you know, that dog, the, the antibiotics were not effective on him at all. Um, he was on IV antibiotics for about three days, uh, two different antibiotics, and, and had no re- no response at all. Wow. Um, and I was also doing some herbal stuff with him and and uh, not kind of getting what I wanted. And so finally I said, well, he's got osteomyelitis. I mean, the, the infection is in the bone. I've got to get the solution into the bone. And so um, I just I took uh, calendula and golden seal, and I smeared those right onto that exposed bone marrow and uh you know 12 hours later his fever was gone and he was on the mend and you know we we essentially with with uh you know comfrey and and uh other vulnerary herbs we almost essentially grew that dog a new leg you know Um, and you didn't have to give the dog anything internally just 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 putting the no 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 and i was doing internal herbal stuff too sure i was doing stuff Stimulate the immune system and, and fight infection. Which and, herbs internally? What were a couple that you can remember? Um, well, we were using. Uh, it, I actually used uh, one of the silver lining forms on that particular dog, and I spiked it with a little extra echinacea. Um, but it has, um, you know, barberry and uh, some of the berberine things, and uh, chaparral and some other antimicrobial herbs. It sounds, uh, just, find, <laughs> it sounds just like the pet version of the Herb First Aid course I'd do with Seven Song, whereas when I, when I watch him treat people, it's very similar. <laughs> it's yeah, all the herbs yeah. you were mentioning. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you'll, you'll find that it, for the most part, veterinary herbalism is derived from human herbalism. Of course. You know, so there's a lot of similarity. Yeah. There are some things you have to learn and be careful with. But, yeah, so we did that. We did a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Plantain for pulling the toxicity out of him. Uh, diuretics, you know, dandelion. Uh, trying to think what else. And you put all the, the like if you put herbs like the you know internally like the yarrow, dandelion, whatever other herbs. Are you just mixing it into food or what? Are you? Or yeah, how? if they'll eat, if they'll eat, then I just put it on their food. And and dogs are really great about that. Um, it's very rare that I find a dog that won't take powdered herbs just on their food. Because um, uh, dogs are pretty good, and so that's um, a way once to in get. In a while, them. I'll get a little fufu dog that just won't, and and you know, and sometimes then we're doing some capsulation or some, or just drenching them with it with a syringe full of water, you know. Oh right, and, but and if they can eat, and, and then, is that is that the way you like to get the like you know healthy herbs into or you know in a diet is mostly powdered and mixing it in. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's now cool. cats are different. Cats are a whole different story, uh, and and cats almost without exception will not eat herbs, um, and so they're 
you know, that that gets to be a more of an adventure. <laughs> well, you know, we have yeah. some different, uh, you know, yeah, I had some questions, but I was just thinking um, there are so many questions that people have that I think we can cover them as we're going along with people's cases. So want to do some case study stuff? Sure. Yeah, right. So, um, I'll, you know, I think I'll just... I'll just say people's names, the first names, because it makes it more personable that way. <laughs> so Denise had some questions, and uh, I'm just going to go and order folks here of how they were submitted, because that's the fairest I could think of, since I know we can't get to them all. Um, so she has a, a 15-year-old uh, blind and, and deaf uh, Pekingese that has been diagnosed with canine um, cognitive dysfunction and would appreciate any suggestions on how she could treat this. Um, well, I would treat that very much the way I would treat it in a, in a person. Um, and the same sorts of herbs for that cognitive stuff uh, that, are, that are beneficial for, for people are going to be beneficial for the dogs. Um, I can't think of any that are, that are contraindicated. Um, you know, ginkgo and, and uh, they're actually finding some kind of interesting things with lemon balm in, in human dementia cases. So I've been using that. Um, I haven't had a lot of a lot of cognitive dogs. Um, I have had a few over the years, and I think we've helped them a little bit. I did have one dog <coughs> that was, um, <laughs> and I don't know if he was a cognitive dog, but he was certainly a, a nervous system issue. It was a little Irish setter puppy, and and the lady brought him in. Uh, this was I don't know probably two years ago, and uh, he was really neurologically. Uh, challenge. He, he was about eight weeks old and he wasn't walking. He would just sort of lay on his belly and paddle and he couldn't really do anything. And um, She was very, very emotional and, and, and uh, really couldn't, you know, really, really upset. And, and I could see that euthanasia was going to be really upsetting to her. And I said, mm -hmm. well, look, um, why don't we try some herbal things? We have nothing to lose. Let's try something. And so we, we, um, we actually used the, uh, on that case, we just used the silver lining uh, they've got a central nervous system support formula that that I worked up, and it's you know it's all the usual suspects for brain stuff, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and some other things too in there. But anyway, um, uh, I put him on that, and he he got markedly better, um, and you know within a couple of weeks was was walking pretty good, and and uh, was a little klutzy, but he was doing pretty good, and. <laughs> So I called his, his owner and I said, let's come get this dog. He's driving me crazy, you know. And so she came in and I was I was just about to explain to her that he's still really kind of uncoordinated and goofy. And I, you know, I, I mean, it's a miracle he's walking at all and, and functioning. But, you know, I mean, don't expect too much because he's really kind of a klutz. And, and just as I said that, uh, they brought his brother in and, and he was walking exactly the same. <laughs> 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 Never mind, he's just a 12-week-old a Irish setter. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like that, I guess. But, but anyway, um, yeah, so for the cognitive stuff, um, certainly ginkgo, certainly uh, ginsengs. The ginsengs have some good central nervous system benefits. Um, and I would try lemon balm, too, and see uh, if that if that does any good. And once again, the method would be pow like powders of these herbs and mixing it in with the food, or if they don't take it, encapsulating Yep, I would just put it, if it's a dog, I would just put it right on his food, and, and like I say, nine times out of ten, they'll just eat that and not give it a second thought. 
Well, now where Denise has also goes moves to her cats, she has five cats, and they're passing around an upper respiratory infection. I don't know if they still have it or not, because <laughs> but but she gets one cat cured and another comes down with it. So how can she help this, and also how would she administer it? Well, cats are harder. Um, you know, I always tell people that are giving herbs to cats to get their affairs in order before they do it. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> cats are very resistant. Um, sometimes you can mix. Uh, sometimes you can mix herbs with canned food, and they'll and they'll take it. And sometimes I do that with the dogs too. If I get a dog that's fastidious, you know, we'll put a little canned food with it, and then they'll go for it. Or baby food is is useful sometimes. And some cats will eat it, and some cats won't. It just depends what the herbs are too. Um, you have to remember that the, the, a cat's sense of smell is vastly better than a dog's sense of smell. And they're also much more opinionated, and so uh, it can be a little bit of an adventure to get herbs into them. Um, and also with cats, they're they're really really object to tinctures. You know, if you can give a dog a tincture, um, an alcohol tincture, and they'll, you know, they don't like it, but they'll take it. If you give a cat an alcohol tincture, you know, it's they're foaming at the mouth for 20 minutes and acting like they're going to die. I mean, they're really hating it and having a bad experience. So, so. you're, there's just nothing you can do <laughs> with the cat. I mean, there's things you can do. And so, what's what do you do? Well, you, I mean, I would I would use the same sorts of respiratory and immune stimulating herbs that you would use for a human. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think any of those are contraindicated for well, a garlic, cat. maybe. Yeah, a little garlic, uh, you know, echinacea is great for estragalus, for stimulating the immune system, mm-hmm. mullein, you know, uh, all of those things are super. Um, one of the other problems with cats is um, that uh, a lot of those upper respiratory snotty, sneezy cat things are viral. Um, and so then you're looking at, you know, herbs that have effect against viruses um, and you know powder arco comes to mind um, but the other thing that you have to do is uh, they have to realize is that there's a lot of erosion sometimes in the tissue and so the, the mucous membranes lining the sinuses get eroded and and you can kill all the bugs and then t- two weeks later they'll have it again mm. you know and so some of the sinus cases can be really frustrating. The other problem with sinus issues is that it's hard to get anything into the sinuses. It's, it's, it's um, you know, anatomically and physiologically, the sinuses are designed to be a real barrier between, you know, the body and the outside world. And so it's hard to get herbs or medications uh, to cross that sinus barrier. Um, uh, you know, but... You know, I suppose, and I haven't ever done it, I suppose a person could maybe try a, an infusion and do nose drops directly, but, gee, that would be a lot of fun with a cat, you know. Um, another thing that, that you could try that that works fairly well would be a glycerite with cats. As long as it's not a bad-tasting herb, they'll take a glycerite. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can mix honey with it. Some cats will do honey. Uh, you can make, uh, in fact, one of the gals on the forum mentioned making little honey balls and, and mixing the herbs with it and, and just poking those into the kitties, and, and that, that works fine if, you know, if, that'll, if the kitty will let you do that. Okay. Okay, great. Um, what about uh, treating ear mites in cats? You know, I don't have any um, good advice for that herbally. There's, there's, there are some plants that are supposed to have uh, insect-repelling properties. Um, neem 
neem oil is one of them. Um, penny royal, you know, there's there's some other things like that. But the the problem with them is that you would have to do it so frequently that I don't really think it's practical. Mm-hmm. Um, even just even just olive oil um, will mechanically uh, kill the mites. You know, I mean, it, it plugs up their little uh, respiratory systems and will kill them. But again, it's a that's going to be the slow, long way to do it. Um, okay. But I suppose if someone was absolutely determined not to use a, a pharmaceutical for that, they could try those sorts of things. What about uh, hairballs? Uh, she, uh, the Kimber has two cats, an 18 and a 16-year-old. And Everybody uh, had a hairball question, didn't they? Yeah, there's a lot of hairball <laughs> questions. There's a lot. She hates giving the store-bought stuff. So what, what, she's like, coconut oil, butter, what could happen? What could work? That's right. <laughs> well, both of those are okay uh, for the cat as far as nutritionally they won't hurt the cat. The um, coconut oil or coconut butter. Yeah, either way. How but, How is that they, given? You just give it to them? Uh, <laughs> like, I'm uh, trying to figure this out. Oh, mix it with their food, yeah, mix it with some candy. Uh, but, but it will cause, you know, that's going to loosen up that stool, and, and that may that may cause you more grief than the hairball in the middle of your kitchen, you know. Good point, good point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the other things, you know, um, uh, pumpkin, a lot of animals, I use a lot of pumpkin in my practice, just canned pumpkin. Um and uh, and that can be a great natural bulking laxative. A little psyllium in their food is another great natural bulking laxative. Um, and you can try all those things too. Um, or you know, if that doesn't work, you can certainly use the hairball medicine. I don't have a big problem with that personally, but uh, um, uh, and I think it's more effective than any of the other things. Um, but uh, yeah, if somebody was really determined not to use anything that wasn't that didn't grow on a tree, then uh, Pumpkin would be great, and uh, you know, a little psyllium okay. might be worth trying to. Okay, okay. So now we go on Susan, who uh, wants to know if there's specific herbs that are not safe to use with dogs or cats, like either one of them, like ones you should just kind of maybe you know make sure you don't use. Right. Um, there are some things. The physiology of dogs and cats, in some ways in some specific ways is very, very different than humans. And so you have to be careful. Like grapes, for example, are very toxic to some dogs. Uh, not that they're medicinal particularly, but grapes and raisins, you can kill a dog with grapes and raisins, you know, with just not very many of them. Wow. Um, because their physiology, the enzymes in their body break them into different chemicals than the enzymes in our body break them into. Hmm. Uh, and the ends of that chain is very toxic and it, and it destroys their kidneys. So, you know... Uh, there's things like that. Um, dogs are, are, and cats both, you have to be careful with garlic and onions, anything in that family. Um, mm. And I, any of the alliums, but I use them, and I think if you use them in moderation, they're just fine. But, you know, sometimes when I'm sick, I really go after the garlic. You know, I mean, I, I use a lot of garlic and, and find it very effective in humans. And in my human herb consulting practice, I, I use garlic. But, um, you know, you can't use garlic and onions at the volumes in dogs that you can in, in humans, it will cause some uh, pretty significant blood problems, anemia and problems with their red blood cells. So um, just be aware of that. Uh, um, tea tree oil should never be used on cats and should be used cautiously on dogs. Um, 
especially little dogs. Um, you can have some real serious toxicities there. I'm not a big fan of any essential oils on on dogs or cats, mm-hmm. um, especially cats, uh, because just because of the sensory overload that it would represent. You know, I mean, it, it, when you when you consider the olfactory capability of a cat, uh, you know, compared to a human, putting a putting an essential oil on a cat would be like putting an air horn next to your ear. You know, it would just be a a very big experience for that cat, and and <laughs> right. I just don't know. How to, I don't know how good an idea that is. You know, um, people do use them on dogs, uh, and I don't have a huge problem with with that usually in the dogs. But I, I wouldn't use essential oils on cats um, unless uh, unless it's a pretty mild one. You know, right? Not even not even like a little bit diluted a lot. Yeah, and if you well, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. If you if you were going to use it, I would dilute it a lot. Okay. For a cat or a dog. Yeah. Well, there's a lot you can do making a strong herbal tea of, of, of awesome herbs out there. We don't even need the essential oils. So. Yeah, and I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, personally, I don't use essential oils at all. Uh, but if, you know, I know a lot of people do, so I would just have that caution for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a little question here is that uh, in a, in a, let's say, a dog's diet, since it's easier to get herbs in dogs, um, is there like some herbs you like to, you know, kind of like how we talk about on 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 Herb Mentor about doing that nourishing herbal infusion with nettles and burdock and all that. Do you have a kind of formula you like to kind of put in with a dog's food or something that are similar kind of idea, like a regular kind of health building uh, formula? Sure, and I and I think that some of the ones you just mentioned are great. You know, the nettles, the 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 burdock, the dandelion root. Um, you know, all of the alfalfa, you know, um, oat straw for some of them, it's, it, you know, all those nutritive herbs, uh, especially the the really deep-rooted herbs, you know, that are pulling up those micronutrients. Mm. Uh, I think those are great. And, you know, people people underestimate the amount of plant material that, that carnivores consume in the wild. You know, we always think, oh, well, they're meat eaters, you know, mm-hmm. and what do you give plants for? But But if you watch a a pack of wild dogs or wolves or lions or any of those big predators, when they take down a prey animal, the first thing they do is, is they eat that, that gastrointestinal tract and, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a deer, that's, that's a 20 gallon vat of fermented plant material, you know? So they always go to the salad bar first and, uh, and then they eat the rest of the deer, you know, but they're eating a lot of material in the wild, you know? And that and that must uh, be the cheap way to do it too, because I mean you could probably there's pet places or whatever they'll probably sell you things you can put in the mix in the food. But if you just get your you know the herbs you're using for your own infusions and then have some that you grind up, right? It shouldn't be too hard. Absolutely, anything for the most part, anything you're using on yourself as a tonic or a nutritive is going to be just great for your pets, and you don't need to worry about it. Well, that's good. that's that's easy. <laughs> Um, so let's see Morgan has a 12 year old female Cocker Spaniel spade in great health perfect weight wise but last year she was diagnosed with degenerative myelopathy and she's wondering if there's any ways she can combat it naturally Uh, there's nothing that vets can do she says so I was curious about herbal so is that true there's nothing vets can do I mean you're a vet (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, there's nothing vets can do for that. Um, uh, and I don't know herbally. Um, 
I don't know. I have never addressed a case like that, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any personal experience with it. Um, I guess uh, I have seen some some pretty remarkable, uh, you know, neurologic uh, improvement in cases, but not but not because of a degenerative myelopathy. So, I guess um, you know there are some some herbs that are really good for nerve regeneration. Ashwagandha is one that I use a lot. Uh, which is withania is the is the genus, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it does have some very good um, nerve restoring healing properties um, in the literature and, and in my experience. Uh, I might try that. Elytrococcus is also a good one. Sugarine ginseng has some properties like that. Um, so I would that would probably be a starting point for something like that. But uh, you know I've seen dogs that have had nerve injury, serious nerve injury that, that have responded well to, you know, to nervines and, and nerve healing herbs. Um, but I haven't, like I said, I haven't, uh, I haven't dealt with a, a degenerative myelopathy. So that's a, that's a tough deal. That's a tough one. Right, right, right. That's what I would, I would start, I would certainly have that dog. If it was my dog, I'd have him on some ashwagandha and some ginkgo and some Eleuthero and and I mean it certainly won't hurt him any. You know? and there's probably some things you can cut. Uh, well, I don't know what the diet's like, but I mentioned di- it probably helped dietarily, right? Just as well, a little bit maybe. Just work making sure you're. Yeah, absolutely. Safe. And I mean, I mean, anything you can do to to improve the dog's overall health and condition is right. is you know more often than not, if you give the body what it needs, nutrient wise, it'll fix itself. Right. You know. Right. Right. Okay. That's, so uh, there also there also might be some. Uh, some things to think about with with oils in the diet and fats in the diet uh, to restore some of that stuff, you know, because that's what all that stuff's made out of. Mm. And there's been some really interesting uh, research uh, on, uh, you know, like Lou Gehrig's disease and stuff, where they really, you know, really increased the amount of fats and the quality of the fats that the guys are getting, and it really seems to help with some of those things. So. Right. So maybe like omega threes and, and yeah. things like that. Oh, okay. Um, all right. That's thank you. Um, so, all right, Abby, here's the question. I think a lot of people are wondering. <laughs> she uh, dries her garden catnip and sometimes treats her three cats to a handful of dried leaves. The cats become very wild and playful, and they entertain her. <laughs> I noticed that they eat most of it. From an herbalist perspective, is catnip beneficial? If so, what are the specifics and applications? Uh, well, catnip's a great herb. Catnip's a great herb for for like all the mints. It's in the mint family, and all the mints are great for uh, belly aches and stomach complaints. Um, catnip also has some mild uh, in humans. It has some mild calming, uh, not quite to the degree of sedating, but calming effects. You know, um, nice kind of bedtime tea. Um, for cats, neurologically, it's a little different, and it's 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 a lot more intoxicating for cats than it is for humans. <laughs> they really like it, but uh, no, catnip's fine for cats. I use catnip in. Uh, uh, I have a formula for for anxious animals, um, you know, thunderstorm anxiety and and uh, separation anxiety, and even aggressive dogs. Most aggressive dogs are anxious dogs. Um, and catnip's in that formula, and so it's it's a calming uh, herb for those for dogs. Uh, for cats, it just makes them drunk and silly. <laughs> <laughs> so 
It's too bad it doesn't work that way for us. <laughs> it would be so easy. We wouldn't need to go yeah. buy alcohol or anything. We would <laughs> just go out just go in the roll garden, the roll in the plug cabinet. <laughs> All right. Um, so Regina was uh, just thinking about uh, herbal natural care for her two cats. So more, more, more cat questions. So let's see. She has a question about waste. What are good natural options for kitty litter, especially what to do in the with the waste matter when I need to clean it up? I usually end up using plastic bags, but I'm trying to get out of the habit of plastics uh, that aren't necessary. Any tips to clean out, dispose the litter in an earth-friendly way? I think it's probably a lot of people would like to know this. Oh uh, yeah, um, I uh, there are. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of the litters that are made are made out of clays and kalins and things, and those are all natural materials, you know. Um, but uh, also, there's you can get litters that are made of uh, corn cob, or you can get litters that are made of. There's one called um, Yesterday's News that's made from recycled newspaper, hmm. and they're little pellets, you know. Um, so there's there's products like that. And then, but, uh, but even the even the um, the clay ones are is I mean that's just dirt you know it's just clay it, it it's all natural and has no side effects you know <laughs> right 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 so and she doesn't want to use the plastic bag so I wonder I don't know is there any way I mean I mean it's not really something you definitely can't put anything like that near your in your compost <laughs> yeah no you don't want it in your compost uh, there are some pretty serious pathogens uh, yeah. from cat poop. So you want to avoid that, but uh, no, I don't know. As far as I mean, I, I guess you could around here you could haul out and toss it in the desert with all the other dirt, I guess. But I don't know where she lives. Yeah, she says there. she lives in an urban area, so I don't know what she could do with that one. I mean, I guess if you had a big, huge yard, you could dig a big hole and have a special area. I mean, it, all it's all biodegradable. The, the newspaper stuff and the corn cob stuff is biodegradable. So if you put it in a in a biodegradable container, I guess you could sleep at night and not feel like you were being unkind to the earth or whatever. So. And there are uh, plenty of natural pet care stores now. If not, you can get things online that I've seen all over the place now, at least in my area. <clears throat> um, let's see, Cynthia, she has three, oh boy, uh, she's, she's zoo. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that a dog? <laughs> Shih Tzu, yeah. <laughs> Shih Tzu. <laughs> I am not a pet person. I'm sorry. I'm like, what's that? I should Google. I could have Googled it, folks. I did not do my homework. Um, so, uh, and one is allergic to fleas, and she has been diagnosed with flea allergy dermatitis. Any natural way to treat, prevent um, flea flea allergy dermatitis? Yeah, some dogs some dogs are allergic to the saliva of the flea. I mean, really very allergic. And mm. so, you know, I used to have a dog like that. I had a little Sheltie, and, you know, if he got one flea bite, he'd blow his whole coat and just be an itchy, greasy mess, you know. Um, and so, you know, the ways to get around that, obviously, first of all, is to is to prevent the fleas from biting them. Um, and, again, there just isn't a really great herbal way to do that uh, other than, you know, there are like the neem oils and some of those things if you wanted to spray your dog every four hours, but then you start worrying about toxicity with that even, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so there, you know, there are products, there are products on uh, on the market uh, that are good for keeping fleas off dogs. Um, I don't like the collars. I don't like flea collars, but, uh, but you know, some of the topical uh, products are, are effective and fairly safe. Um, 
I would get the ones from veterinarians, not the ones that you can get at the grocery store, because some of the ones at the grocery store are very toxic and hard to get off if you have a problem. So, um, but that said, the next thing is is just addressing the allergy. Um, his, most most of the symptoms of an allergy are caused by histamines. Uh, so you know, like when we have a an allergic thing, we take antihistamines, you know, to to mm-hmm. make us stop stop sneezing and whatever it is. Um, with humans, most of the histamine-releasing cells are in our mucous membranes and sinuses and upper respiratory. So when we have an allergic response, we tend to sneeze and wheeze and ball. You know, uh, with dogs, most of their histamine-releasing cells are in their skin, and they're very highly concentrated in their ears and in their feet. And so when dogs are allergic to something, um, they get ear infections and they chew their feet and they itch. Hmm. And so. Um, you know what all you can do for that is is the solution for that is to get the histamines eliminated and the liver is the organ that eliminates histamines and so usually when i have a an allergy dog um i will put them on on liver supporting herbs uh you know organ grape or barberry um and liver restoratives like milk thistle that just support and make the liver happy um and dandelion roots another great one um, but those sorts of things can really reduce the symptoms in some dogs. Now, my experience with allergy dogs is that, you know, most of the herb formulas, uh, you know, if, if a dog comes in and I'm going to do something herbal, it's it's just a slam dunk. The herbs work, and I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. With the allergy dogs, with the allergy dogs, I would say it's more like maybe a half to a third of those dogs have a really great response because I think some of the dogs are allergic to the herbs too, and then you're just done. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, some of those cases, it, it seems like in in my practice anyway, a dog comes in real itchy, and I say, well, let's try these herbs on him. And, you know, half to a third of those owners come back, and they just think I'm the greatest guy in the world and, and a genius. And the other ones are saying, well, nothing happened. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, so... so um, and that's just the way it is. Most dogs that have allergies are allergic to all kinds of things. Um, and I think a lot of that hyper-allergic condition in dogs is from is from the diet we're feeding them. We're feeding them things that dogs have no business eating. You know, dogs are eating mostly corn, uh, which is just not dog food, you know. Um, and also, um, I think they're getting over-vaccinated, a lot of them. And so their immune systems are just all wound up, and they decide they're allergic to life, and, and then they're tough you know um so i try the herbs on them and some of them were very successful uh, a lot of them you just have to do other things you have to do pharmaceutical antihistamines or cortisone or things like that but uh for the ones that they work for they work well and and the ones that they work for um for you know well fleas and ticks i guess you could say what would be like a what would be a good you know general natural remedy treatment for such a thing well, again, I don't have anything for for keeping them off, you know. Right. So we're just—I mean, like I said, there's there are herbs, neem neem oil and pennyroyal, and there are herbs like that that you hear about, but right. um, there just aren't any practical, really practical applications for any of those things um, in real life, and so um, we just haven't had any luck with that. Um, but once they have so, them, though, oh, I mean. You know, just like a bath in certain herbs, which ones you use? 
for for what now? Well, let's say fleas, or if they have them already, versus yeah, if they have fleas, um, you know, there's 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 really not an herbal solution for that. I mean, people talk about brewer's yeast, and they talk about diatomaceous earth, and you know, all those things can be beneficial. You know, diatomaceous earth will kill fleas. Um, it it just scratches the wax off their little cuticle off their skin and they dehydrate and die, you know, just like, you know, we use a lot of diatomaceous earth in our garden for squash bugs and stuff, you know, and it really does kill them. And it's perfectly benign. It won't hurt the dogs at all. Um, but, you know, I mean, are, how how practical is it to, to douse your dog with diatomaceous earth every day, you know, and, and how pleasant is that for you or the dog, you know, to have him <laughs> laid on the couch and, and having diatomaceous earth all over everything so so you really you know, just, just have to do what's conventional like your regular oil yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think we just use uh i just use regular products for flea control uh veterinary products and mm-hmm. um we don't have a huge flea problem in idaho i know in some parts of the country it's just a disaster you know and, and anywhere warm and wet it's it's just flea heaven so mm. the other thing to do with the fleas is to treat the environment you know the the uh the fleas have a life cycle like a fly or a butterfly where they have a complete metamorphosis. And so they're, the larva of the flea is living in leaf litter in your yard and in the, and in your carpet and, you know, those, and the, and the sofa. And so, um, you know, if you, if you have a, a chronic flea problem on your property, then, you know, clean up the property, get rid of all the leaf litter and stuff and, and places that are a good place to be a baby flea. And, you know, Throw a throw a flea collar in your vacuum bag so that when you vacuum them up they die, you know, uh, and those kinds of things. I'd I'd much rather have a flea collar in your vacuum bag than on your dog, you know. Wow, that's um, a good tip. But uh, you know things like that. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, fleas are tough. Fleas are a tough problem. How about um, another common uh, situation is a heartworm? Any prevention treatment tips for that? You know, heartworm is, uh, there is some uh, evidence that black walnut has some uh, efficacy against heartworm. Um, I haven't seen enough studies to convince me that it's worth risking a dog's life on that. And again, black walnut is mildly toxic to dogs. And so at the levels that we'd have to give it and the frequency we'd have to give it, then you start getting into those problems too. So I do use I do use herbs uh, to worm dogs. Um, I don't use herbs to prevent heartworm. Okay. So I, I would say I would say stick with the pharmaceuticals on that. This is a great advice right from the vet. I mean, which which where where herbs are great, and also where you stick with the pharmaceuticals. So it's uh, yeah. You know, I think I think there's a lot of polarity. Uh, with the whole herb versus medicine thing, and, and it's just silly. You know, the, the doctors are dumb for not embracing the herbs, and, and the herbalists are dumb for not embracing the drugs once in a while. You know, it's it's there's there's there was a really smart guy named the Apostle Paul, and he said, "Prove all things, hold fast that which is good." You know, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's okay. I tell people they come in here and they've got a their dog's got a tumor, and they want me to do something herbal because I'm an herbalist. I say no. Let's just cut it off. You know, <laughs> stainless steel scalpel blades are all natural and they have no side effects. Let's cut that down. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's the same. In, 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 in I experience uh, 
go to my uh, naturopathic physicians, my primary care, and he's all, he refers me out to MDs all the time for different things. Not sure. all the time, sorry, and I'm always on the diet, but you know what I mean. There's a couple situations where he said, all right, you want to go yeah. get yeah. a test here because these people can, can do, do They can't do and There's things they can do we can't do. Right. I had a guy in here several months ago that had been bitten on the hand by a dog, um, and his hand was really, really swollen and septic, and he's getting some really nice-looking you know, red lines going up his arm from blood poisoning, and he really was in bad shape. And and he'd been to his physician, and uh, and the physician gave him an antibiotic, and then told him, if you don't find a good herbalist, you're going to lose that hand. You know, and so he came. <laughs> he says, I know just the guy. So he came to me. He figured it was a dog bite. I was the guy. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, he was he he came in, and we we put him on uh, uh, plantain was the main thing. Uh, and uh, some other immune stimulating herbs and stuff, but I did a plantain poultice for him and and uh, had him taking plantain orally, you know, every couple of hours for the, for 24 hours. And you know, he called me the next day. He said his hand was great; it was normal size. He was feeling really good, and he thought it was going to be okay. And I saw him about a week later, and it looked fantastic. You know, he still had the holes in it from the dog teeth, but right. you know, it, it was vastly better. Oh. Um, and so, you know, there's things. You know that's a that's a physician locally here who's who gets it. You know that there's that there's stuff that that herbs can do that are really beneficial, and why not? You know why not uh, augment uh, and practice complementary medicine instead of exclusive uh, exclusive medicine? You know exactly so. exactly. So uh, let's see, uh, Kyoki here. She has a uh, she's on the forum a lot. And you might know her from there. Um, she has an older dog who's about eight. And she has a terrible skin condition and uh, might be mange, but no vet can tell. Uh, she can't afford all the testing. But she's lost a lot of weight and she's got uh, terrible flaking, sometimes chewing until she bleeds, and thick green scabs inside her ears as well. Oh, <laughs> We've been using a spray from the feed store and it seems to help. But, also associ- uh, but it's also associated with spontaneous sores on her leg. Um, so she... She says, I first thought she's been cut, but they just sort of appear overnight, these sores, these spontaneous sores. Uh, We're taking her to the vet as soon as we get tax money. But in the meantime, were there some good ways to treat skin conditions? She says she eats high-quality dog food. So there you go. Treating the skin conditions. That a dog with that kind of a presentation is one of two things. It either is a severe allergy, uh, and they will present that way with just a really horrific seborrhea and greasy, nasty skin, and and it gets real callousy and scaly and and horrible, and they get sores. Some of the sores are just from self mutilation from scratching so much, you uh-huh. know, um, and chewing, and and some of the sores are just that the skin is so compromised that it it can't do its thing anymore. Um, so those are, you know, those really severe allergy dogs. You would address the same way with with the the blood cleansing kinds of herbs and liver supporting kinds of herbs. Um, and then if it's mange or something, uh, she's just going to have to kill those bugs. She, you know, she's going to have to do something pharmaceutical to get rid of that because um, there's nothing herbal that will that will resolve that at that level. Um, the the things the herbs I really like to use for skin um, I like burdock a lot for skin issues um, and again it's not because it's helping the skin but it's because it's helping the liver you know um, and the kidneys and so mm-hmm. it has a, a, a 
an effect on reducing histamine levels and uh, whatever other toxins that the liver is getting rid of. The, the skin is sort of a, you know, in sort of the skin can be an eliminative organ. And so, uh, you know, when the liver gets overwhelmed and the kidneys get overwhelmed and everybody's overwhelmed, then they start trying to export garbage out through the skin, you know. Um, and, the skin, and the skin can really suffer, especially in dogs. Um, so what I would do first is I would, a lot of these dogs have food allergies. You might try like a lamb and rice diet instead of the corn and beef. Dogs are often, often allergic to corn or beef or both. Um, you might try a different diet. Some dogs, if you put them on a raw food diet, they'll clear up spontaneously. Um, wow. uh, you know, and it's just that they're they're just not they just cannot handle eating. Uh, you know, the junk that that is in dog food. And so, if you put them on a good quality raw food diet, some of those dogs will just get better. Um, but uh, you know, certainly herbally things you could do would be burdock would be great. Yellow dock is another really good one. Um, and so, um, you know, milk thistle and, and organ grape to support that liver, things like that. Uh, but yeah, those, and, and I would get it, you know, you need to do a skin scraping or a skin biopsy or something and see what the heck it is you're dealing with. That's another people a mistake people make is, um, you know, they, they, they want to know what herbs to use, but they don't know what the diagnosis is. You know, something mm. something that something doctors and veterinarians are really great at is diagnosing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, my, my, my philosophy is let them diagnose you and then run, you know, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, cause some of the treatments are, are, you know, not great, but, uh, but some of them are. So, uh, you know, I, I say certainly take advantage of, of, uh, of your physicians and your veterinarians for diagnosing what's going on. Cause sometimes they're really great at that. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got all the cool toys and technologies to figure out what the heck's going on. But in a case like that, I'd, I'd absolutely be doing a skin scraping or a, a skin biopsy and, and see what the heck's going on, you know? Yeah. It's hard to know what to do unless you know what's going on. It's hard I, to hit the target if you're putting your arrows the wrong direction. Well, I had the same know? situation with me personally, you know, to physician and just some simple tests. And then I was able to go, oh, yes, for sure, this is the thing. And I'm going to take these. And then now I know what it is. I can treat myself herbally, you know, because exactly. I know I can with this situation. If it was something exactly. else that was more serious and you couldn't, I would not use the herbs. I would use something else. So, yes, yeah, to see what's going on. Um, Rob, hip dysplasia care maintenance uh, for large breed dogs such as German shepherds. What can uh, she? What can he give her uh, when she has um, sore joint days? Yeah, uh, arthritis and joint pain are are great things to treat with herbs. Um, and I don't know that the herbs, <clears throat> you know, the herbs I use on dogs are the same herbs I use on people for that. Um, mm-hmm. Again, burdock is great uh, just for cleansing and and you know, supporting the liver and the kidney so they can get rid of some of the solutes that, that tend to increase joint inflammation. Um, but again, you know, the usual suspects, the, the uh, uh, turmeric and uh, frankincense together are fantastic for dogs with arthritis. Uh, frankincense is Boswellia. Um, turmeric and Boswellia, uh, yucca is good, devil's claw is good, uh, white willow is good, white willow is just aspirin. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's better than aspirin, uh, it's more effective in my opinion than aspirin. Um, 
And uh, something else that's kind of cool about white willow is it, it actually has to be converted uh, into the uh, medicinal form by the bacteria in your gut, you know. Hmm. So it, it's a it's a complicated thing, but your body knows what to do with it, you know. And, uh, anyway, um, but yeah, all those all the usual suspects are anti-inflammatory, but I don't have any, you know, I, in my practice, which is a pretty you know, pretty regular size, small animal practice. Um, I, I bet I don't have 10 dogs on pharmaceuticals for, for arthritis. You know, I mean, they're all, they're all on herbs. So, uh, and I just use the, uh, for the most part, I, there's a silver lining. It's got a formula. It's just called joint support. And it's just a, you know, it's just all those guys I just mentioned. And, hmm. uh, it works great. It works great on those dogs. And when they get really, really bad and they're really crippled up, then, you know, some of those dogs I'll start using a little bit of pharmaceuticals or, or something else, you know, but uh, boy, for nine out of 10 of those arthritic dogs, the herbs are just great. And, and you know, their owners, <laughs> their owners are doing it too, you know, so um, the, I had a I had a guy in here not too long ago that uh, I play music in a little local group here and, um, and uh, he's a, a guitar player and he came over and was picking and he's, he's an older guy and he's joints are just really sore and he's and uh you know he can't play like he used to play and i says uh, he says you got anything that can help me out with that and i says yeah come on over to the clinic and we'll find you some herbs and and uh i talked to him about two weeks after and he just was real huggy and happy about what we've done and he says i, I can sleep any way i want now i couldn't sleep you know there's all kinds of positions i couldn't sleep in i don't remember the last time i had a decent night's sleep and i'm just doing great so wow he had our all over you know but herbs are great for arthritis i i really think herbs are fantastic for arthritis nice they're great well and uh he also has six cats y'all have some serious cats out there boy that's five cats is he has six cats any oh he wants to curious about cat uh basically comes to distill his question looking for cat nervines to help calm his cats and nerves um yeah and and they they are very effective in cats catnip uh probably isn't the best one for a cat but, yeah. uh, <laughs> unless you want a silly cat you know but uh, they are calming but they're but they're uh... <laughs> anyway um, yeah valerian uh, chamomile uh, ashen flower skull cap all the, you know all the usual suspects uh, hops um, you got to be a little careful with hops in dogs they can be toxic dogs in high levels mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, I use them on dogs all the time. I use hops on dogs all the time, but I, but not very much. You know, skull cap's good. Um, but uh, yeah, those those uh, just just the the ones you'd usually think of for people are, are also very effective for dogs. And and you know, the dogs don't seem to mind the valerian as much as some of the people do. And 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 of course, if the cat, you might be looking for at a glycerite formula for that, maybe. Yeah, I do a glycerite. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah. It's but, not easy. Uh, to... I've had a lot of dogs. But that's another one of the formulas that I sell a lot of and, and I'm, I'm very confident and successful with uh, besides that arthritis stuff is the the calming formulas because we get a lot of very anxious dogs. We get dogs that, you know, mommy goes to work and she comes home and the dog ate the sofa because he was freaked out that she left, you know, mm. uh, or, you know, separation anxiety or thunderstorm anxiety. They come in, you know, July 1st, they're in here and mm. lined up for that stuff, you know, because of the fireworks. Mm. And um, so it, they're very effective. Those all those nervines are very effective in in dogs. 
Now, someone um, it, it was wanted to make an effective glycerite. Um, like me personally, I've always kind of shied away because I didn't. I don't know. I don't personally have any issues with alcohol and tinctures. So, and I'm just using one with my family. So, I, I never really experimented much with glycerite. So, um, do you ever make any of your own? You know, and I'm I'm the same way you are. I I just haven't had much occasion to to work yeah. with glycerite. I I'm just now starting to think. Hmm, I need to do that. And I got some glycerin here just lately from a guy. Uh, but uh, the glycerites for cats really would be ideal. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know, they taste good. They're 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 soothing and nice uh, for the tissues. I they just would be great for cats. Um, I just haven't gotten around to doing it. I usually, um, you know, most most of the the cats that we're dealing with, we're either capsuling them or we're uh, mixing it with enough canned food that they'll choke it down, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I think I think glycerites are a huge, a huge, huge opportunity for cats, and I think I'm really dumb that I haven't been doing it. So Business idea out there, line of cat tinctures, glycerites. Yeah, <laughs> Somebody so. out there. <laughs> I'm always giving yeah. people business ideas on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Things, things yeah, that's you know, the only disadvantage of glycerides is the shelf life. You know? That's true. And so, and and the potential for contamination, you know. Yeah, but, uh, that's true. But no, I think glycerides have a real place for, you know, for veterinary for cats anyway. The dogs, I don't mind squirting tinctures in dogs, and they give you a dirty look, and that's okay, you know. But <laughs> and I use a lot of tinctures as an emergency basis, you know, for mm -hmm. dogs. I use tinctures. Um, I use a lot of. Uh, one of one of the most the two probably the two most important tinctures I have, and if I were going to have an, an herbal first aid kit for my dog or for people either for that matter, the two tinctures I would want in there for dogs would be cayenne and yarrow, uh, because I use really a lot of those in my practice. The the yarrow um, is a fantastic anti-hemorrhagic. You know, I get dogs in here that have been hit by cars. And they're just bleeding like crazy, you know, from the mouth or from the nose. And, and I'll squirt some yarrow and or shepherd's purse tincture into them. And it just shuts them off like a like somebody turned the hose off, you know. Oh, wow. It's just amazing. It's wow. amazing. And, you see, I get to do stuff like that. I'm in sort of a unique position as a, as a veterinarian because I can treat cases that, that most herbalists wouldn't dare to treat, you know, mm -hmm. because they're not allowed to, I mean, ethically, you know? Um, so I get these, I get these, uh, you know, hit by car dogs or these horrific wounds or these, you know, septic infections. And I can, I can do herb stuff with them that, that, uh, you know, that a lot of guys don't have the opportunity to do. And it's really kind of cool. Well, when are you going to write um, your book? Well, <laughs> I, I get asked that a lot. I, 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 <laughs> I, I fiddle with my book occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I need to. I need to do that, I guess. But uh, anyway, yeah. So, so the 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 yarrow tincture is great for the uh, or she or shepherd's purse, and I usually use both. Um, but uh, for hemorrhage, internal bleeding, um, and then cayenne is my favorite. If I could only have one herb in my veterinary practice, it would be cayenne because I use that for. I have saved more lives more dramatically with cayenne than I have with any other herb. What, I get dogs, with what? What? What do they have? Where cayenne? Well, is gonna... they're gonna die. They're gonna die, John. And so when I get a dog that's had, uh, 
like been hit by a car and he's, you know, his gums are as white as a sheet and he's, you know, his eyes are starting to roll back in the back of his head and he's, and he's saying to me, okay, I'm going to die now. I squirt ty- cayenne tincture in his mouth and, and he jumps up and his gums turn pink and he says, oh crap, I can't die right now. I have to deal with this cayenne in my mouth. <laughs> I mean, it is miraculous. And I've had, I've had cases, uh, you know, animals that were shocky, animals that were uh, having anesthesia seizure reactions, you know, uh, and, and really much too depressed, you know, uh, newborn puppies that are born and aren't breathing and aren't waking up, you know, it's just, it's just great stuff. It, it, you squirt it in there and man, that it's like a whole different world. Wow. So I, you know, it's really great. It's really great, uh, for those really critical, critical cases, um, that are, that are right on the edge, you know, they're talking to the big white dog at the end of the tunnel and, uh, <laughs> And we yank them back with that cayenne tincture, so it's it's really handy. We, I wouldn't be without it. Wow! Thanks for that one. That's that's a great tip. Um, do you do you recommend? Uh, Carla wanted to know. I guess this is a good good last question. Oh, there's so many great questions. I was like, boy, oh boy. Um, but um, what I mentioned, like you writing a book before, but what is your favorite book for uh, herbal medicine for pets? Um, there's a real. I haven't read a lot of the the lay books that have been written. Um, my, the best book in my opinion, uh, is a book by a gal named Susan Wynn. It's called veterinary herbal medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's a veterinarian and she wrote it with another lady whose name I can't remember. But if you, if you just, you know, if you got on Amazon and found Susan Wynn, W Y N N, uh, veterinary herbal medicine, that is a fantastic book. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's written for veterinarians, uh, but it's, I think it would be accessible enough that anybody could read it, you know, and uh, it's just really solid. It's got a great Materia Medica in it. It's got uh, uh, dosing things and, and uh, uh, Barbara, Barbara Fugere is the other author, mm. author, F-O-U-G-E-R-E. But yeah, just Susan Wynn, Veterinary Herbal Medicine. And That's a fantastic I saw one uh, on an herb shop I was at today in Seattle by uh, Gregory Tilford. I don't know if you've seen that one. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, yeah, it's another uh, another one. His herbalist who's written a lot of books. I I, I don't know. I have experience, but it's one you could look up. Um, you know, mostly I use. I mean, for my formative learning about herb years, I, I think Susan Wynn was was terrifically. Uh, uh, informative for me but i but everything else i got from you know guys like michael chera and john christopher and all the regular guys you know jim james green uh you know and his great uh herbal medicine maker's handbook is a fantastic book mm-hmm. um but uh you know there's and like i say most of the most of the things uh with a very few exceptions most most herbs that can be used in humans are are safe to use in dogs and cats um and the the glaringly uh, worrisome ones we've talked about today, you know, the, the, you know, like the tea tree oil and some of those, but most of them are just really pretty safe. And, um, I just don't worry very much. And, and most of veterinary herbalism is extrapolated from human herbalism. So it's, mm. you know, it's, it's not as different as, as you might think. Hmm. Hmm. 
Oh, yeah, here is Herbs for Pets is the name of Tilford's book. He's a great herbalist, and it's got lots of five-star reviews, so maybe it's a good one to look into maybe as I'll well. Maybe I'll look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so, Patrick, let's see. Uh, you have a website um, that I told people about just a little earlier, homegrownherbalist.net. What, what's up with your uh, site there? Is it a place people can go? And uh, Yeah, um, there's... Uh it's 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 kind of a rinky dink little site. <laughs> it's not cool like herbmentor.com. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> you know, it's got uh, you know, I I do I do have started doing some videos uh kind of YouTube video kind of stuff and and uh we'll be doing more of that as as time permits and weather permits. Uh but um there's the videos are up there on homegrownerbos.net and then there's a forum uh, which is just forum.homegrownerbalist.net, and we do have uh, several sections there on veterinary, you know, veterinary stuff. It's not all veterinary stuff. Uh, you know, I have a I have a, a human practice too. Where I do consulting with people, but um, you know, there's a lot of you know, obviously my emphasis and interest is is in that area too, in the veterinary area too. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that forum.homegrownerbalist.net is also a good resource if people have veterinary questions and uh um you know that sort of thing so and we're always delighted to have people come ask questions or or give answers so and so we're gonna have to figure something out on with all these questions on herb mentor i don't know maybe a column or maybe a forum section see what you have time for you're a busy guy with with that many kids in a practice (laughs) 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 you have your hands full so we'll we'll figure we'll figure something out uh because it'd be fun I'd, I'd, to have you. I'd, I'd be delighted to, to help out with those sorts of things. That'd be great. Oh, it would be so right. awesome. Um, <laughs> let's see. And uh, silverlininghherbs.com, and that's a place where people can uh, get some of the formulas you've been talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Silverlining is a great company. Um, they're, they're just the best people in the world, those guys. And uh, the products are, are very effective. And uh, they've, got a, they've got a horse line and they've got a dog line and there's – there's resources there too that if you know the, if your dog or horse is doing this weird thing, you can kind of go through the little flow chart and and have some recommendations. Mm-hmm. And um, you know my my phone number's on there, and and anybody that ever wants to call and has a question can certainly you know call and 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 I do those kinds of customer support things for them. So. Oh wow. What do you, do you sleep? <laughs> uh, I really don't sleep very well. No. I <laughs> <laughs> I, I also uh, sell Irish flutes on the side, so we have a lot oh, of things we do. <laughs> that's right. Notice that in your website, in your web address. Yeah, we can yeah. we can help you with your sick dog or your Irish flute questions. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ask nicely, he'll play you a song. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Well, this has been so much fun. Doesn't the time go fast when we're doing when we do these uh, shows? It's a it's, I don't know. It seems like I start talking and then two seconds later they're yeah. over. Uh, but it's been a, quite an honor. It's 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 taken us a little while to get on the horn here, uh, timing wise. But we finally did it. I'm proud of us. And uh, <laughs> and uh, it's been uh, so great. I really appreciate you taking your time and answering all these questions, and and it's been quite enlightening. Thank you so much. Well, I'm I'm delighted anytime, and and uh, you know if we, we'll figure some way out to get those questions answered for those folks. So. Yes, we'll get there. So again, folks, Dr. Patrick Jones, homegrownherbalist.net. Thanks a lot, and have a great night, Patrick. You too. Thanks, John. 
Visit learningherbs.com for free ebooks, courses, and monthly lessons. You'll also find the Herbal Medicine Making Kit and Wildcraft, an herbal adventure game. Herb Mentor Radio is produced for HerbMentor.com, our community mentoring site. Herb Mentor Radio is copyright learningherbs.com, LLC. All rights reserved. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it.